How do you upload a photo into the chat? I'm not telling you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies that we loved in our youth and find out if they're still any good. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. And I'm Pat. And I'm not going to stop talking so we have tense to <laughs> fuck up the intro because it was so good. And we have a guest and I'm not going to give us a chance to have some snarky <laughs> bullshit about how, wow, we did it, guys. Hey, we have got from the Dole Whip and Dreams podcast, uh, our fellow show on the CPOV network, Mr. Maddie Lime. Hi, everybody. Oh, my God. Pat's face is turning red because you weren't inhaling oxygen for so long. That was amazing. Pat deeply um, hates that bit that we've been doing for the past, okay, like, six months. Don't fucking do it, Brett. Shut your mouth right now. Pat, <laughs> that was amazing. Um, I am so excited about today because this is a moment I've been waiting for since collage. Collage? Collage. 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 You've been waiting to have Maddie on the show since Collage? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Toss, toss. I thought you were talking about the Portland Arts and Crafts College. No, I did not go to that college. I went to a different Arts and Crafts College. Ash, host. Yeah, today we are watching The Birdcage, which I'm super excited about. And this was one of the many movies that Maddie picked um, and that we put up on a poll that won the poll. So all of you humans are correct in choosing The Birdcage. Good job. I got to say, Maddie, I'm a little conflicted here because I'm very excited to have you on the show. But I'm also kind of disappointed that you did not force us to watch a classic Disney movie. Yeah, considering your podcast, Dole Whip and Dreams, is all about Disney's. It's it's so true. Well, and I I was conflicted at first, and I was like, I threw out some Disney's. And in my defense, they were fucking clunkers. Like, <laughs> uh, just so everyone knows. Is that I in could... your defense? It sounds like it's in your, I... like, guilty. Well, <laughs> listen, it's because I would rather cover the country bears sooner rather than later. So I never have to do it again. <laughs> but here we are. But I wasn't going to make you lovely people who I've been such a fan of the show for so long. Aww. And I am geeking out now that you all were on the network. And I was like, oh, maybe they'll let me on the show now. And so I'm just super happy to be here. <laughs> but it was also, because while we're recording this, it's it's uh, it's the, you have to be gay month. Otherwise it's illegal not to be gay month. Uh, and yeah. so I was like, let's, let's do some like super gay movies. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, there were, you know, much, much like my, the psychosis of my brain, there were lots of options. And I just settled on some non-Disney things because I like to talk about non-Disney things, Pat. Sometimes, you know, people can like other things, Pat. I believe uh, those are your own words. (laughs) (laughs) You're a tourist. You ain't about that life. Yeah. On on your subject of your pick of Disney movies, I was shocked in that I had to actually Google one of them. Which one? Oh, Xanadu. Uh, No. Oh, hell no. I saw Xanadu and I made Brett listen to the Xanadu soundtrack as I painted our bathroom. And he was like, it's iconic. It's It's so so good. good. Um, It's so good. I haven't seen that one. See, I had to look Um, that one up. I had to look up something wicked this way comes because I thought it was a stage play because when Mm -hmm. we lived in Pasadena, they did it at the local theater. And I didn't oh. know it was based off of a Disney movie. Yeah. I didn't know that either, actually. Yeah. 
It was their second attempt at a horror film after uh, Watcher in the Woods. And it is... Wait, what's Watcher in the Woods? I don't know anything about this. If you you pop over to Dole Open Dreams, I recently did an episode about it. And it's it's a thriller based in an English countryside where a girl went missing under mysterious circumstances in the explosion in a cathedral starring a very older Betty Davis as her mother. And these Americans move into the manor house and the little girls start hearing voices and experiencing things. And so it's a little extraterrestrial. It's a little horror suspense. It uh, it has the most deflated ending. Uh, All I'm going (laughs) to say is Mylar Wasp. That's all I'm going to say. it is, it is it is a shit show that is worth the view because it could almost be a good movie and then it's not at the very end. Um, oh no! I feel like those are like of, the best category of movies. Oh like, well, and oh, it's so actually like Betty Davis doing what Betty Davis does so well. Isn't that like every M Night Shyamalan movie? Though well, that was like, like when we yes. did uh, <laughs> another pass with Case, and I did uh, Devil, which no one has seen, mm. and but it's like oh. it's so almost an excellent movie. Like it's just yeah. it's adjacent, but like. And, you know, through the wall next door, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so something wicked is literally when it's based on a Ray Bradbury <clears throat> novel. And so it's literally when the devil's circus comes to a quiet New England town in uh, the early 1900s and Jonathan Price is in it. And it's legitimately terrifying. Oh, uh, my gosh. That, was, that was the early 80s for Disney. So yeah, back in go. that gray area where they were like, mm-hmm. shit, we're failing. Like Walt mm-hmm. is dead and we don't know what to do. Oh wow. yeah, because that's when we had Tron and you had Black Cauldron yeah. and Black Hole. Uh-huh. It was it was called Disney Dark Ages for a reason. Yes. It's, it's, wow. a, it's, a, it's a messy but interesting time cinematically. <laughs> yes. Well, if that isn't huh. a strong pitch for Dole Whip and Dreams, how interesting that segment was. Uh, yeah. Man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> go there check you out go. Maddie's show. Uh, but Ash, tell us about Birdcage, please. Yeah, so as Maddie said, this is perfect for Pride Month. We're recording it in Pride Month. I don't know if it's releasing in Pride Month, but if it is, happy belated Pride yeah, to it's all not. of you celebrating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. Um, but we're watching The Birdcage, which is a movie that I love and have seen so many times. I'm so happy it won. Um, and it was released in 1996, which is around wow. that era of good good movies released I in the 90s. I thought it was way older. No, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, it's in the 90s. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it won seven awards and it was nominated for 24. Wow. Holy pretty cool. crap. Mm-hmm. Including nominations for Oscar and Golden Globe. Um, and so the budget was $31 million. And would anybody like to guess what the opening weekend U.S. was? Uh, Any guesses? It's either a lot or nothing at all. Well, okay. So it's, confirm one fact for me. It is Robin Mm. Williams, correct? Yes. 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 And this is like peak Robin Williams. 64 million opening weekend. Ooh, okay. Uh, Anyone else? Was that a good woo or a bad woo? Under its budget. You're saying under budget? Yeah, this it movie, did not make its budget back opening weekend. So Pat is correct. It made 18 million opening oh. weekend. You have to remember that this is a movie about two gay men in the mm-hmm. 90s. Yep. Yeah, as I say, this felt like a this feels mm-hmm. like a like a sleeper movie. Like people mm-hmm. saw it and then the word of mouth made it big. However, uh I believe that at the yeah, so at in my facts here. 
At that point, 18 million, it was the highest weekend opening gross for an openly gay character as the lead until the movie Bruno in 2009. (laughs) What? We don't talk about that movie. That's not the gay canon. I know. I was like, that's a weird example to use, but okay. That counts as. I mean, yeah. As, I, as uh, someone from the gay council, we do not include that in gay No, cinema. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, worldwide actually, Ash, gross. Yeah. You're going to have to bleep that, I think, right, Maddie? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uber, How Brett dare I? Post, you're going to have to bleep. I just, I just feel like, I don't know, is that Bruno comes out and then like all the, all the straights are like, yes, this is the gay we want to see. <laughs> I mean, well, that that includes a very long dichotomy of uh, gay as a trope versus gay character tropes that are right. used even in, like, yeah. Will and Grace. Like, it is written by gay men, but it's all just gay tropes that are very not mm. useful today, but were progressive <laughs> for the time. Yeah. So, like, Sasha yeah. Baron Cohen was like, but that was also the time where, like, comedy was comedy, and so tell the shittiest joke you can and everyone will laugh at it. And now we're going... Oh, let's not make gays as pedophile jokes. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> Bruno is all that. about the shock factor. <laughs> yep. And let's yeah. be honest, you watch Will and Grace for Karen. I oh, mean. Karen and Jack. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, worldwide, though, it grossed um, $185 million. So they made wow. it back up. Yeah. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That feels like real strong, actually, for uh, mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. budget. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, our director is Mike Nichols, uh, mm-hmm. who did The Graduate and Closer. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh. And it's, oh, I didn't realize this, but it's based on a play, a French play. Yes. Cool. Um, which I was not aware about. And our screenplay is by Elaine Leberkage. Le Cage Fall, actually, which the American musical is based on. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't want to even like try to say it because I was like, I know I'll fuck it up. That's why we're here. We're here to hear us mispronounce things, Ash. I'm pretty sure mine was more correct. Do not, do not go down this track because then Brett will start baby talking into the microphone and we don't fucking need that right now. (laughs) Baby talk. No. No. Because French French isn't a real language. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have a killer cast. Absolutely mm-hmm, stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we have Robin Williams, who has been on the podcast before with Jumanji. Uh, you might also know him from Mrs. Doubtfire, which we need to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe um, Maddie suggested it, right? No, it was no. not one of my list. It should have been, though. That's no, a great yeah. idea. <laughs> Um, and well, we'll Switching have to have movies them back. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we also have a Nathan Lane, who this was yes. actually his like breakout blockbuster role. Before this, wait. he was just Broadway. What? Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. What, what about when Simone? Lion, yeah, Lion King is ninety five, right? Ninety four. Yeah. Ninety four. Earlier. Which, so but this was like his King. breakout on screen role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Listen, uh, listen up, voice actors. Your shit doesn't count. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I didn't write the facts. <laughs> um, uh, we also have Gene Hackman, who is oh. also fantastic. 
Um, who, by the way, quick side IMDb fact, he has a hundred IMDb acting credits. Holy shit. Wow. That's a lot. So it much. is a lot. Um, and then we have Diane Weist, who mm-hmm. you might remember from Practical Magic, Edward Scissorhands, or The Lost Boys. Um I remember Practical Magic. Yeah. I mm-hmm. Would be curious to watch that one on the podcast because I remember <laughs> liking it and I'm pretty sure it's a bad movie. <laughs> Is that the one with um, Speed? I forgot. Yes. Sandra Bullock and Sandra Nicole Kidman? Yes. And Stalker Channing? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have Dan Futterman who mm-hmm. was also in Capote. Oh. Um, we have Kalista Flockhart who you know as Allie McBeal. Mrs. Harrison Ford. That's what I would mm. beat me to it. <laughs> uh, also, Sam, yes, let's fun define fact. the women by their husbands, please. <laughs> yeah. I, my apologies. <laughs> yeah. I think you mean she Mr. Flockhart. I, I think, Maddie, you were just, I was doing it specifically to goad Sam. <laughs> I, that's, I, when I, that's why I was going to say it. Beat me to it. I may or may not be the feminist patrol on the podcast. So <laughs> I'm here for really. it. Call, call me on my bullshit. I, as someone with a women, gender, sexuality studies major with my theater ma- major, call me on my bullshit. Do it. Call it out. Um, but fun fact about her, she also did voices on Robot Chicken, Sam. So oh, I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. so many cool people on Robot Chicken, and it's so oh, yeah. hard to know. Because, mm-hmm. like, the credits scroll by really fast, and then you just see them as these little puppets, and then you're like, holy mm-hmm. crap, that was Brian Cranston, or like, <laughs> yeah. Who and then we we have uh, one of my faves, Hank Azaria. So great. That'll be fun. Who dat? Um, he was in Mystery Man. He's the voice of Abu on The Simpsons, which Apu, is not yeah. his best work. Not anymore. Work. Not yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To that, um, yeah. To his credit, though, didn't he? He mm. willfully said, "I am happy to step down from." No. Yeah. There's different no? stories about. Oh, okay. That he claims he was told to do the accent. There's writers that claims like, nope, he did that on his own. But I'm, he's I'm guessing he's a white guy. Yeah, uh, he okay. he's a talented voice actor, but he's got. As, I mean, he's definitely uh, one of my, not I don't want to jump. I don't way ahead in predictions. His accent work in this movie is it's from my original collection. A little <laughs> question, yeah, a little, yeah. Yes, well, it's something we're gonna have to talk about. Yeah. I have interesting facts about his accent work in this movie um, that we'll get to because. Uh, I wasn't sure about that either, and I don't know if they will change your mind. So he is white. Yes, I just double-checked. But he's one of those white people that are very tan and could pass so as he's, not white. So he no. passes his POC is what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying I don't no. know, okay? <laughs> I'm cutting this whole bit out. Go, go ahead. Do. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Oh, Brett. I may be and, the feminist the feminist checker, but Brett is the everything PC checker, and he unless it's <laughs> French or English people, apparently. Yeah, I think that's it. real funny, and he leaves that in. Speaking the truth here. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and we also have Christine Baranski, which oh. you will recognize from Chicago. Queen. She's very great. Um, so that's all I have for the cast. So on to the facts. So Hank. Azaria claims that he based his character's voice on his grandmother. So 
it's apparently not a racial thing, though his character is Guatemalan. And Mm. he also said that um, he was worried that it sounded too stereotypical until he asked a gay friend of his who thought it was more realistic. Questionable? Mm. I don't know. (laughs) Listen, the gays are not always the um, barometer for class or uh, political correctness, (laughs) uh, which we're having the conversation now of just because you're queer doesn't make you a good person. So, like, you know, it's the, it's that right. idea that, like, we, even though as a marginalized group, can be just as problematic as non-marginalized groups. So, I, I love when someone's like, I asked my gay friend and they said it's okay. It's the same as being like, I have a black friend, I can say that. Yeah, you know? yeah That's totally. totally in that category. Like, my yeah. my ex-friend said this was fine. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. hold on. No, exactly. Just, if you're using and, that and- argument... Let's just let's just take a walk it back a little bit here. Yep. Um, <laughs> you ever watch continue- uh, Difficult People? Yes, oh, a few times. Oh, mm, yes. <laughs> I am not the biggest. Uh, uh, mm, t- mm, I mm, I'm oh. not a Billy. I, I'm not a Billy Agner fan. I'm Are you allowed to say, say that? that to the world? <laughs> I, listen, take my. Are card. you allowed? Is that what you said? Pat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I will call RuPaul on her bullshit, and I don't like Billy Eichner. Take my gay card if you need to. You mean you mean frack, you mean frack Lord RuPaul? Frack Lord frack. Paul? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um. Yeah. To continue the the problematicness of that character, he apparently also did it several times on episodes of The Simpsons. So Agador Aspartagus is in several episodes mm-hmm. of The Simpsons. She mm-hmm. is. Um, Robin Williams was originally cast as Nathan Lane's character, Albert, but he mm-hmm. wanted to try something new since he already was kind of known for more flamboyant type characters. And so he asked to be recast as Armin, which I thought was interesting. And originally when he was cast as Nathan Lane's character, and this, I just don't see this working at all. Steve Martin was cast as Armin Goldman. Oh, no. Oh, recipe for a terrible movie right there. Yeah, that would have been awful. That's Uh, when you get the gross, foppish, stereotypical performance. That's just not... This would not be a well-known movie if that was Mm -hmm. the case. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, you know... And this is such an interesting movie because nowadays... There's such a rightfully so fight for LGBTQ. I'm sorry, how many are there? What? Yeah. So many LGBTQIA plus. Okay, thank you. Characters for them to be represented by actors who actually are, you know, that are gay or bi or or whatever. And when this movie came out, Nathan Lane was gay, but he wasn't openly gay, which is. Interesting. Um, And of course, Robin Williams isn't gay. Um, So it's a weird mix of yay for the gay community, but also not yay for the gay, you know, as far as who's playing what. So this is kind of a difficult conversation that is happening a lot. Um, But it's one of those things where I actually point to Robin Williams as a really good example of this, of I, now this is different when it comes to like trans characters. I think we should stop casting cis people as trans characters. But with this, I think just like gay gay actors can play straight characters, no mm. issue. I think if a straight actor 
comes to it with sincerity and openness and honesty and just is letting the character tell the story, let them tell the story. I actually point to this as one of the like few really great gay couples in cinema and Mm -hmm. in television. And so like, I think it's that delicate balance that Nathan Lane and Robin Williams found together as a couple that actually makes this movie so just, it's, it's a really great example of what queer cinema could be. Um, And it's just because Robin Williams just, has class and decorum even when he's playing the most classless of characters. Yeah, um, which Steve Martin wouldn't have had. No, he would have played every shitty joke in the book, and I think they would have <laughs> they would have had Robin camp it up so much that it would have felt like the biggest yeah grossness possible. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and and speaking of that, um, I, this was an interesting fact that I found out. The filmmaker, uh, the director, hired a filmmaker. Rick McKay to go around for months before they even started filming the birdcage. And he went to Paris, London, San Francisco, and Atlanta. And he made a feature length documentary about drag queens just for Nathan Lane and Robin Williams so that they could study and, and understand what drag queens are and what their life is like and their performance. And I have never heard of a filmmaker doing that. Hiring another filmmaker to make a documentary for your actors is so interesting. Has that documentary been released because I would I die don't know. to see that. I know. Yeah, that would be so I I bet you it's probably on like a special edition version of the DVD go, or something. I'll go dig for it. Yeah. 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 And they're watching that thing and, and Robin Williams is like, I'm learning so much. And Nathan Lane's like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's because Nathan Lane had just done the really well-known revival of Guys and Dolls as Nathan Detroit with Peter Gallagher and Faith Prince. And so mm-hmm. that like he he comes from that theater background. And so he, you know, even if he isn't publicly out, because that was still just post-AIDS crisis being where it was. And so it was still not somewhere, even theater or New York, where you wanted to be publicly out because mm-hmm. there was just a identifier of what that meant. And so, um, yeah, I would love to see, I would just, I would love to see that movie. I just yeah. love anything that's drag. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Even, you know, it's, yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's honestly just weird remembering that there was a time that people weren't cool with with mm-hmm. people being gay. Like it's just blows I my mean, mind. Technically, today. there's still still time. So I mean, yeah, 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 but <laughs> yeah. But, but like yeah. like but like the oh, like openly hostile like all, everyone all the time. Yeah. Well, like yeah, and I that just, I was alive then. <laughs> I was just right. having yeah. a conversation with my mom last night because in high school I was the president of the Gay Straight Alliance Club, and um. Because I was so like open. Yeah, and Sam's been your advocate for a long no, time, I'm, guys. No, I'm not Bef- trying way to tell. Before. <laughs> that's not is the that, point of my is story. Is this the funny story? The funny I know, story, but I'm I, just no. I'm just okay. you know saying no. <laughs> that's not the point. The point is so because of that, a lot of teachers um, it kind of came out to me and interested me. And um, looking back on it with my mom, I realized like wow, in the mid 2000s, like it was not a safe time to be a nope. gay teacher. And it was not unheard of for people to be fired or parents to write angry letters. And so it was super dangerous for them to be out. And now, like, in Oregon, there was a gay teacher who won, like, Teacher of the Year. And he was at (laughs) the forefront of this huge, like, discrimination case and, like, making real positive change. So we've come super far. And I want to say short amount of time, but it's really not. It's, like, 15 years, but still. (laughs) Yeah. 
And what's really interesting, actually, and probably why they made that documentary for them was like Tu Wong Fu had come out just before this. Oh. Uh, tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, which is another kind of pinnacle gay film. So good. But, and it showed Patrick Swayze, um, Le- uh, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo as drag queens, but like it wasn't an accurate portrayal of like queer life or mm. what drag life is actually like. It, um, and so it's one of those that it Yeah, it's makes more like it, high fantasy of it, high, right? Yeah, high fantasy in the fact that they're always like living as women and mm-hmm. which now we know is a very different conversation um, because like also at this point we didn't even have the term transgender. So like, mm-hmm. it, which is so funny to think in the lexicon that it was just being used, I believe it was 94, 96, 98. Um, and so it's one of those that like this with that and then Priscilla Queen of the Desert came out of Australia just before that. And so all of these kind of three movies with straight people and drag things, that, and this is the most like actual slice of life version of it, I think is interesting. Right. That they kind of looked at those and then made this and and made it a little more authentic. Yeah, totally. Um, and so the the film geek in me it, for this fact had to bring it up, but there's a two minute opening sequence that looks like it's one continuous study cam shot, but in fact it's three separate shots that are seamlessly combined through dissolves, matting, and morphing, which I thought was cool. really cool because I think I always thought it was one continuous shot. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh, and that, then that's that's the uh, the big the big secret is basically all of those shots are that like there's yeah. no like hardly any modern movies they're like oh yeah one continuous shot ha ha nineteen seventeen one shot BS but yeah yeah <laughs> I was very quick to be like no no you're not uh, there are so many in, cuts like, <laughs> especially in their promo video for it I was like we can see you setting up for different shots in the promo video that you posted <laughs> uh, okay. Um, and Birdman too. There's like tons of cuts, mm-hmm. and, but they. I mean, they did. A, I haven't seen 1917 yet. I really want to. But Birdman did good. a fantastic. It was really job. cool. <laughs> yeah. There's there's yeah one sequence in particular that I think you're gonna just gonna be like, this is like tops. Uh, like uh, fi- like videographer scene. I don't know. Right. It's, it was a good cinematography. Cinematography. There you go. Right. Yeah. My brain's and not working today. It's like mostly. Uh, natural lighting, right? In 1917. Okay. All right. Okay. They lied about that one too. Cool. <laughs> um, moving on. I thought this was an interesting note because as we're, of course, talking about gay rights, but also um, there was an interesting footnote fact about this film that has to do with Black Lives Matter in in a little bit of a way. But so David Allen Greer was originally cast mm-hmm. as the role of the butler, but the racial implications and the cultural differences from the play caused the production to combine the butler role and Hank Azara's character, which I thought was interesting because they were like, at least they had the foresight in 1996 to be like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have a black guy be a butler. That's probably mm-hmm. a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's... But I don't know that it's any better to then put a Guatemalan character as the butler. That's the, that's the other thing. Is I feel like you swapped maybe one race out for another, but it's still maybe problematic. I feel like yeah. this is... Let's find Hank Azaria's not problematic role somewhere. 
uh, well, I was going to say Night in the Museum, and then I go, oh, wait, no, he's playing a black character in that, because <laughs> Egypt. So here we are. <laughs> um, it is hard, because, like, also, someone that's gone to Miami a lot, and, like, knowing the demographics of Miami, it's like, well, of course it makes sense that you would have a Latinx housekeeper in Miami, especially mm-hmm. in the 90s. But it's also one of those things, like, do we settle for that, or do we do better? Right. Like, couldn't he have just been a sassy gay housekeeper and not a sassy gay Latinx housekeeper who, especially because there's the, well, I, we'll probably get to it later, but the like, uh, that my mother was a shaman and a high priestess or whatever. And yeah. then it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. So you're, you're making them the idea of the savage, but then like, and then he's like, but you're from New Jersey. So it's just, it's this weird thing. So like, I, <laughs> yeah. it's hard because I still laugh at it. But it's still one of those things where I go, oh, every every movie's got that thing. And I think that might be the thing. The thing that hasn't aged well. Yeah. Yeah. That dates it. (laughs) Is it just like Hank Azaria doesn't age well, period? (laughs) No, he ages so well. (laughs) (laughs) When I still lived in New York, he was on the street running. And I was like. He's in in good shape. He could have been a. He could have done I MCU meant his characters stuff, he plays, not not him physically. <laughs> no, yes. Yeah. He oh, has yeah. he does have a at this point it's is two how many is a pattern of arguably oh. problematic characters. Well, he's got like Bumblebee Man, which is a Latinx character also cuz his Simpsons character, he really does yeah. not play any white people on Simpsons either. So mm. like that's it's right. not even just Apu that's an issue, it's well, all of his characters. I was like Simpsons Maybe I guess as yeah, one. No. Well, I mean, in the Night at the Museum, it's one of those things where I think that he's been hired because, like Ashley because said, of it. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of those things that I think white people go. It's it's the Ariana Grande thing where they go brown enough, right? Oh, right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and so then they're just like, "You're fine. You're olive skin. It's ethnic. We love it." And like we're all now calling. It's like, no, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it became one of those things for so long, and because he was so funny. People, because even like putting him in the turban and everything in Mystery Men, like I get that it was a thing, but like he was even putting on that idea of like oh, a Roman man. character. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's putting on, like, a Roman oh, shit. Yeah, the, yeah. So like literally, <laughs> Hank Azaria, lo- what are you doing? Great actor. <laughs> he's who- being typecast. That's what he's doing. Yeah, and he's over there like they they made me do the Apu voice, and they're like, all right, Hank. Well, then like play a white guy, and he's like, uh, 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 you know what? Uh, I'm just not going to do Apu anymore. But how can I, I feel like he goes, okay, but if I can't do a fun voice, how can I even be the character? You know, I, he doesn't know I'm how sh- to not do a fun voice. He had that small bit in like that Ben Stiller movie. What's the one with, um, Jennifer Along Aniston. Polly. yes. Mm-hmm. He's like the scuba instructor. He's doing a you weird. For scuba? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but here, hear us out. Hank's area. If you want to let us know, just reach out to let's rewatch. We'll have you on the show. Listen, yeah. I find him hilarious and love him, and it's he too is bad. Funny. That's the whole it's thing. He's so bad. funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say, in his defense, I don't think there's anything racially problematic with his character in the movie Run, Fat Boy Run. Like, are you sure you want to make these claims? Give him that we one. We have a bad track record. This is where I, I cut in, like, the super horrible I said, thing from that movie. I said racially. <laughs> I didn't mean that his character isn't problematic in other ways. I don't think I've even heard of that movie. <gasps> it's so good. Is that is Simon Pegg? Is that Chris Farley movie? Yeah, Simon Pegg. It's directed Peg. by, yeah, oh. Simon Pegg's in it, and it's directed by David Schwimmer, which is crazy. Huh. Ross from Friends. Oh, yeah. I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> do, you think it's, do you think was would you 
labeled the directing is good. It is good. I love yeah. that movie. So, I think it's fantastic. All right. This is going to sound like I'm throwing shade, but because um, I kind of am. But Uh-oh. there's this Uh-oh. thing. I've seen a correlation or some similarities with sports and movies where actors and athletes who are good enough to make it to the top level, mm-hmm. but in that realm are seen as kind of average, are actually pretty good coaches and directors because they've had to get there since right. they're not like uh. Michael Jordan they have to like know the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example in the movie world would be like, maybe say Ben Affleck has been a director of some really good movies. Acting is, I don't, he doesn't bother me, but you know, he's definitely been lampooned mm-hmm. over the years. But, um, that's, I feel like that's the most call out thing Pat's ever said on the show. <laughs> I try not to, but like with sports too, like when Jordan like dabbled in like coaching, it wasn't really that good. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. What's he going to say? Just be better than everyone else? Because that was just be better. But you have like Steve Kerr, who's a phenomenal coach, who was a good player, but definitely not like a yeah, super, best. superstar. It, and he is a phenomenal coach, has won multiple rings as a coach. So I feel like I see that correlation where if you are kind of middle of the road, like playing or doing or acting, you've had to pay a lot more attention to the details and the ins and outs and the ancillary things. Totally. Which maybe makes you better at explaining to other people and giving guidance mm-hmm. to other people. Whereas if you're just phenomenal at something, yeah, it's like naturally talented. How do I, t- how do I tell you to be better than anyone in the world? Like, how do I teach mm-hmm. that? Okay. Yeah. I've seen this with my art teachers too, in art school, the people that are just naturally good. And you ask them like, Oh, how'd you do that? And they're like, well, you just do it. But the people that yeah. have really struggled had, had to like hone in their craft like oh well i always thought you know it was this way but if you move your hand like this and then you use the side of your pencil then you'll get a better stroke and it's like oh thank you (laughs) that's really Mm -hmm. helpful Mm -hmm. as a theatrical director i see that kind of all the time where i've learned the most outside of like a directing classroom where they just go just do the thing every directing book is the same and not a new one has been written since the 60s but it's those the directors i like to work with the most are people who were actors first and because I've learned more being in a show than like being in a classroom necessarily. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's, you know, one of those things. Uh, Michael Arden is a great example of a contemporary actor who's just a phenomenal director, um, theatrically at least. Yeah, totally. All I right. will say, I don't know that David Schwiver is necessarily a bad actor, though. I think I he did a bad. very good job at making everyone hate Ross. Because <laughs> yes, that was what absolutely. he was supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, I feel like it, it's... Very fair to say he is like about as middle as it gets. For fucking burn. Like, <laughs> is no, all on board because he loves the, to the hate. The swimmer friends. stands are going to come for me. <laughs> oh, Brett, I hate friends too. It's the worst thing get ever. Out. Oh, all of you Podcast get out. Canceled. Just me and Ash will be left. Thank you. Everyone yeah. get out. The validation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, uh, well, that's all of my facts. Should we get to our Yes, uh, this movie is two full hours long. We must okay. do predictions. Oh, we must get to it, yes. Uh, let's wait. So has everybody, Sam, you haven't seen it. I have not. Has <gasps> anyone else not seen it? Okay, uh, have you seen it? I've seen it's, it. It's so far back in my memory that I pretty much haven't seen it, although I've seen it like a couple of times. Okay, let's start with Sam and go to Brett because I don't want their expectations soiled by our expectations. <laughs> okay. So go ahead, Sam. Okay. Um, very excited to watch this. Uh, my college roommate loved this movie and was shocked and appalled 
that I had not seen it. But we were broke college students, and we didn't want to pay 20 bucks for the DVD, and there was mm-hmm. no digital streaming Netflix or anything. So somehow it slipped through the cracks, and I never saw it. Um, and then we started the podcast, and it kind of been floating around, and I was like, well, I can't watch it. I got to be the one who hasn't seen it for the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to finally be watching it. Um, I expect it to be incredibly fun. Um, really lighthearted, uh, with a little bit of like, you know, sweet heart to it. Um, and weirdly, I kind of expect it to have kind of the comedy tone of the producers movie, which I think oh. I'm only drawing mm-hmm. that connection because of Nathan Lane. Right. But also yeah. because the producers was a stage play turned into a movie. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm kind of expecting similar feels with like a very different aesthetic. I'd say this one feels much more like a normal movie than the producers feels like stagey. Okay. Mm-hmm. But okay. as far as like comedy level, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. That's it. That's my prediction. I'm hoping I love it. I I predict well, I don't I don't know. I don't want to jinx it. I feel like you're going to love it. I, I, love I it. feel like too, but I'm so scared to be wrong. <laughs> Brett? So, okay, I got two 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 slices of of thoughts about this. Uh number 1, and I feel like I was alone on this when I brought it up before, but Rob Williams. Some of his movies are really good. Some of his movies are really really bad. Um Now, are, is that like the serious ones are bad or do you mean funny ones too? No, I feel Just like out of curiosity. I'm just like scrolling through the Robin Williams movies, and it was more like he had like five or six end, years where he made like bad. amazing movies the whole time, and then mm-hmm. like before I never seen him, and after I seen him and I didn't like him. So, uh, and this like but that I think, RV movie. <laughs> I think Ooh, this and the is, one with Mandy Moore. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> might be like so right smack in the middle of all of the good movies. This so, was his heyday yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have actually high hopes for this Rob Williams film, uh, which is I, I feel like unusual for my my usual guess for Rob Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think this one's going to be good just because of the timing. Peak Williams. S- number two. <laughs> what do I think the movie's actually going to be like? Because I don't freaking remember nothing about it. Uh, I remember when uh, we were we were getting married, me and Sam. And we were doing making the, those little plants, and then you drop the plants after oh, no. spending like thanks, two days, like pe- packing them and recording. Uh, uh, and, <laughs> and you pick up pick up the box, and the bottom falls out, and they're just everywhere. And I was in the back of the house, and you came screaming, ah, Brad! and you were like waving your hands in the he's, air, and just like he's ah! forgetting the part where I was wearing a sweatshirt, and you remember in uh, the movie Bruce Almighty. When um, I'm blanking on the actor's name now. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, where he throws <laughs> his hands back and his clothes go off. So oh, I was wearing yeah. a sweatshirt and I had my arms up and I was like, Wah! and I threw my arms back and just shot my sweatshirt off of my body. Yeah, she was wow. doing kind of like this terror. just boneless Naruto mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, accurate. accurate. Oh, I love that I know exactly what that imagery is. Uh, so, uh, anyway, 
in my head, that's also the energy I remember from this movie. Something happens where it's everyone just starts it. screaming and freaking out. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing in my brain is this, this scene where everyone's just like, Ooh! uh, so I I'm, I'm looking forward that. to that if it happens. Huh. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I just don't remember that. He just wow. wanted to put that as an excuse. I did want to just tell, tell the story. Embarrassing but, story about me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we were two hours late from getting in the car and driving to our wedding, so the panic was real. <laughs> oh, no. Well, then, on top of that, yeah. it wasn't the first time they would get no. destroyed. No, this yeah, was, that the, was first the first time. time. They got destroyed right. again, and you were there the second time they got destroyed. <laughs> the mom, night before the wedding. Yeah, because my yeah. brother put him in the back of his truck, got lost, took the wrong freeway, ended up like almost in Nevada instead of Northern California. So they bounced around in the back of his truck for like 12 hours. And they <laughs> totally fucking they destroyed were him. Destroyed. <laughs> yeah. So we only had like half the amount of these little succulents that we were supposed to have. It was great. It was great. But anyway, uh, I love movies that have like frantic energy. That seems to be a thing that, uh, that, Robin Williams, I like that. Yeah, Robin Williams, from uh, Robin Williams, and I and I recall this movie having uh, maybe not throughout its entirety, but at least one segment that I'm really gonna get a kick out of. So, all right, looking forward to it. Pat, how about you? I think overall it's going to be very entertaining. I'm hoping I do. I, I love, I love frantic Robin Williams energy. I love when he goes on like a just a freaking riff rant where he's mm-hmm. just kind of going off. Um, I adore it. It's one of the handful of celebrity deaths over the last like two decades that really affected me. Oh, I legit personally. cried. Um, oh, yeah. Just, I was in a Denny's and wept into my moon, moons <laughs> yeah. over my hammy. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think overall it's going to be a very entertaining, enjoyable film. I think, as we've talked about, I don't think it's going too far out on a limb to say there will definitely be some gay jokes that will not age well, will not have aged well. Um, I am pessimistic about Hank Azaria's performance mm-hmm. <laughs> holding up. Um, I think it's going to be a big ball of that's not cool. <laughs> um but overall, I think the combo of Nathan Lane and Robin Williams will be so delightful and endearing to net yeah. a positive viewing experience. I like that. I like that you're judging things on a netted experience nowadays, yeah. where it's like what's I always do that. The yeah, overall? what's the net? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he's how about he's you, been burned too many times by being like, "I will love this," and right? then like, That's I true. have to hedge That's myself. True. I have to hedge Getting booed, not sense. Yeah. To- <laughs> yeah. I know. I just, we just got this other um, filmmaker that's going to guest on an episode. And I was like, yeah, check it out. And he listened to Boondock Saints. This is the first episode to listen to. And I was like, oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I told him about it, but I was also like hoping he'd listen to something else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. well. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully enjoyed the show. We'll see. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess. So I frequently visit this picture, especially when I, I just finished my my master's. And so it is my de-stress film. So if I have to Aww. do something, I will sit and watch it. Um, the Warm Fuzzies. And actually, I think everyone's going to appreciate uh, something just going kind of opposite of Pat, that Rob Williams is normally, he has a beautifully eclectic 
montage in this that is very Robin Williams, but what appreciate, I think what everybody's going to appreciate the most is his scripted monologuing in this movie, which actually mm. is just so poignant and so powerful. Um, and so I think even the moments that aren't going to age well are going to be out, um, kind of outweighed by those really strong and moving moments. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you too, Maddie. Um, and I do, I, I, wasn't super scared about the problematic thing that I wasn't yeah. thinking about until Mitch pointed it out on Twitter. And I was like, oh, so I won't say it because I won't spoil anything for you guys who don't remember. Yep. But there's a big problem with the plot for this movie mm -hmm. that I was like, um, mm, yeah, like, like plot uh, doesn't make sense or like plot is racist. Plot not racist. is angering. Plot is angering. Like you're going to be <laughs> yeah. so angry at the plot um, because of one character. Um, and uh, I love that Mitch immediately was like, "You have to do it so you can talk about it." Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it's one yeah, that as sure a younger, you got it, as a younger person, I never thought about it. But now that I'm in my 30s and could have an 18 year old son, I go. Oh, I know. Ooh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm really worried. A character we're supposed to like and is one of our main people. Yes. Is actually we're not going to like. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so going into it with that different perspective, I'm concerned about that and Hank Azaria's uh, role. But besides that, I think this movie will be really funny uh, it's incredibly lighthearted. And I think that besides the plot issue, at the end of the day, the message is right, you know? Absolutely. So um, so I, I hope that that makes up for all those things. But I am very excited because I love this film. I watched this film so many times over and over again. This is one of those films where like if it came on TV, I would stop everything I was doing and watch this film mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's so heartwarming and wonderful and hilarious. So I'm hoping it holds up to that. All <laughs> okay. right. Well, I uh, think we're going to pause the recording here and go and watch The Birdcage. Uh, and we'll let you know what we thought of it when we get back. Boyd Cage. Boyd. The Boyd Cage. I was shocked by the number of birds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shut before, the we fuck keep, up, bro. before we keep going, I have to say something and I just, I can't. Pat is Wait. chewing gum and <gasps> popping gum while I am trying to guest on your show. I will not have it. <laughs> Brett, do something about it. <laughs> Wait, we have to sing the song, though. Oh, uh, Pat, uh, Ash, I'm I so sorry. Pat so did it as soon as we got on the mic. Wait, I missed but it, too? I no, didn't get one. Fair. You wanted... Do it again. Do it again. Come on, chicka, buddy, baby, do the kanga. No, you can't get toys up any longer. Come on, chicka, buddy, baby, do the kanga. No, you can't get toys up any longer. That's not the one we have to sing, That's the though. one it should be, yes, Ash. I know you want to be our family. I agree. But that's that the one it should be. That is the sound of gentrification. That is the sound <laughs> <Yeah>. of gentrification. <laughs> We're not going to sing We Are I mean, Family. Fitting. I'm so sorry. At the end. At the end. <laughs> 
At the end? At the end. Again. We have to lead out with it. Oh, okay. I'm trying to look up a list of uses of that song in movies. Because was there a song from 1985 to, say, n- 1999 that was used more to set the scene, especially if that scene is Florida or a Latin oh. country setting mm. than this song? Than that song? Oh, no. In Conga? Probably, I mean, yeah. probably not. Were there any other songs during that time? I don't think so. No, wow. there were the no other songs. songs. And I say that only-, only half in jest because that song was such a large part of my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Gloria was everywhere. And so she is, yeah. she is all. So it's fine. <laughs> but I would say in 1999, they retired Congo and uh, All Star by Smash Mouth became the song oh. that was in every movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think the hey Wikipedia now. page would have a list of pieces <laughs> and movies. With the greatest of all time being being Shrek and or the Digimon movie. One of the two. Wait, I did it's not in the, the Digimon, Digimon movie. movie? I forgot about that. Wait, Digimon oh, was popular enough to have a movie? <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. So it was actually in America. It was their first three Japanese movies in one American release because it was a 15-minute movie, a 45-minute movie, and an hour-long movie. So they just put them all together into Wait, one American movie. You can't movie. just make something and call it a movie. There, I feel like there are <laughs> time constraints. Well, well oh, in God. Japan, they had made the movies. And because out there, they'll do like... The power, the Super Sentai, which is their Power Rangers, their hour-long yearly movie with, like, the Sailor Moon mini-movie and the Digimon mini-movie. And then you go and you see, like, four movies in an evening. I mean, I can't, like, someone could be like, oh, I'm a filmmaker. Where do you do your films? TikTok. TikTok. Listen. There's oh. some really oh. high-quality TikToks. Don't you oh, talk about yeah, that was really throwing some shade, Pat. Have Don't you, you talk about TikToks? Tabitha Brand that way? Tabitha Brown? <laughs> Good lord. I, oh. I think the distinction Pat wants to make is between like a feature film and short-form content. No difference. You can't put like, yes. like a million TikToks together and be like, it's a feature unless you plan it that way. As, right. I'm going to pull that quote, and then that's going to be our internet challenge, and we're going to have a feature. I mean, isn't that basically a, 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 a quip? A They've done that, though. They did the things where they like would redo Star Wars or whatever, and everybody would do like five seconds or something, and then they stitched them all together. Is this that is a, a thing. Is, is Quibi still around? Did that fail yet? No, it's it's not yet. It, it just started, <laughs> didn't it? Didn't it literally it just launch? Oh, my and God. Like, Kind of. Doesn't it feel yeah. like that? It's been around for like two months now, and I don't think anyone's using it. Sorry, sorry, no. Jeffrey Katzenberg. Listen, we we don't mention that man's name. He's a deep enemy of the Dolp and Dreams podcast. <gasps> what? He used to be He's my deep, overlord. Deep enemy of the pod. Oh he my saved god! Disney. Oh, um, challenge. Fight time. So Fight. the bird oh, no. cage. So the birdcage. We did watch the birdcage. <laughs> oh, I'm not done here. This is why we haven't been on fucking Dole Whip yet. Uh, uh, yeah, you knew. You knew. You knew. I used to work like, for DreamWorks, yeah. and you're like, mm. <laughs> well, wait, Sam, it's actually a conversation I would love to have with you because oh, I have an outside perspective. The cats and bowl. Inside perspective. I think that'd be great. Yeah, I would actually love to do that. But the birdcage. The birdcage. <laughs> I know y'all are on a time. I know y'all got a, a time constraint. So, 
Oh, yes. they're not yes. going to make it. <laughs> Did yeah. you say we seven? Can do it. 40, 40 minutes. 7.30. Oh, minutes. oh okay, Preferably cool. Preferably 7.25, so I have time to run downstairs, turn on the thing. Gotcha. But, <laughs> Great. So, so I just want to say out the gate that I still love this movie. However, Mitch was so right. And Val I is such a piece of shit. Yeah, can you refresh us on exactly what Mitch said? For the uh, basically, that Val is like the worst human being ever, and yes, uh, he is. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Although the movie did not try to make him not look like a piece of shit. True, right? <laughs> like True. every single moment he was on screen, it was like that fucking American Psycho, like close up, like sweaty forehead, like oh, the business oh, yeah. cards, like. He, yeah, he, they made him look like a monster. Yeah. The worst moment for me is when Albert is talking about literally going and killing himself. And he's oh. just like, it's all right. You know, uh, it'll be better without an uncle anyway. Like, no care for Albert's feelings. Nothing. Or like, the, he, you know, they, they've they been raising you and and this is this is your dad's like mm-hmm. partner and uh, like yeah. all it took him all the way to the like till minutes before the end where he was just like no not my mother and then it's like no actually you are my mother and then yeah. like we're mm-hmm. supposed to be like oh he's such a nice boy he's not <laughs> yeah uh, I, I found 19 movies and tv shows where conga has been used so far. 19. <laughs> <laughs> i love your dedication to that pat really right. dedicated. not enough Oh my god! Yeah, not enough. But I, I, I agree. Which is really funny, also because the actor that played that role went on to guest star on a whole season of Will and Grace as Karen's yep. gay nephew that Will makes over and then falls in love with, and it's a whole <laughs> Beauty and the Beast thing, and it's awful. It's awful <laughs> on that too. He just plays these like not, not the worst, but like pretty awful, like generic white boys with some scruff. I don't remember what he plays in Capote. Do you remember? Is he just the journalist? I think so. It's been so long since I saw that movie. (laughs) To find that out, if only. (laughs) But yes, Val is the worst, uh, but But Nathan Lane is the best. And who's the best? Oh, yeah. Nathan Lane is amazing in this. Amazing. So good. So good. So good. But... Uh, uh, do you guys kind of see what we were talking where kind of what I was talking about before is like that idea of if Nathan Lane wasn't there and Robin Williams was that role, I think it would have been a completely different movie that oh, would not totally. have worked effectively at all. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Totally. Especially if Steve Martin played the other yeah. role. Just no <laughs> way. But like uh, getting back to the whole like Val thing, though, like I don't want to harp too much on him because obviously we all know he's a garbage. The fucking angels being. are playing, but go ahead. <laughs> but like. No, no, no. But the the whole plot of this movie, though, doesn't quite make sense because how long do they think that they're going to be able to pull off a name change and hiding that they're gay? Like, the idea of this film is we're going to lie to her parents, but then you're going to get married and you're going to take his real name. How are you going to cover it up then? Right. It doesn't well, make any sense. Was Nathan Lane going to be... In full drag yeah. at the wedding, and then every right? time they like holidays or whatever, they get together I, and it's called tradition. It, no, <laughs> I think I think the thought there was that the dad couldn't take another scandal right now, so they were going to pretend in the short term while it was all scandalous, and then figure it out later. But they made the plan to go down there after the scandal. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm just saying, like, this doesn't really make any sense. Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't think that yeah. the son was too smart. I think that's no. maybe. Well, that's getting. obvious. I mean, he's only 20. What? That's it. Okay. They could have, I, they have only, there's no, cause she's 18. He's 20. They've only known each other a semester. It is the fall semester or like maybe the winter at the longest. They've maybe known yeah. each other three to four um, months. Why are they getting also, married? They've, they've been, been sleeping, sleeping together, together for a year. year. Yeah. Which, <laughs> can okay. you fathom it? Eighteen, telling your parents that, like, yeah, like they're your conservative parents that you've been like at eighteen. Yeah. Oh, the dad who's supposed to be Jerry Falwell, like hands mm-hmm. down, like that's just what's so so funny about it. Uh, um, everything he said was such a great like skewering of shitty Republican politics. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay, so back to the the vow thing. Shitty vow. Shitty vow. Shitty vow. Um I actually think it was like beautifully subtly written as like a dig on everyone that pretends to be like pro gay rights or pro for the underprivileged people and then performative performative mm-hmm. yeah performative mm-hmm. activism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like at the time i'm sure it played as like very relatable like everyone was like oh yeah like i okay yeah just hide who you really are just for this mm-hmm. um but like it really plays way differently now and mm-hmm. um really poignant like of course this is a ridis- ridiculous ask and like, mm-hmm. you like are not i'm cool with you guys being nice- gay and she's cool with you guys being gay but like mm-hmm. you know can we can you just not be can gay we just, so we don't offend yeah can we just make the bigots yeah. a little more comfortable please like and i mean take into consideration too that i believe i just looked it up and i think the play is like older than 1978 so the, the play is even older yeah. than the 90s not that that's an excuse but i'm just saying <laughs> yeah well the musical takes place on the french riviera so it is very different they have a british sensibility the the family does so mm. um mm. but you know it's also that thing of like val is easily a diversity like pulling he's an affirmative action an example of like white people getting to use affirmative action in the 90s because they're like oh this kid who comes from a cool art community whose dads are gay in 1996 is way cooler than being like oh cool you're the kid from down the street with the gay dads we got seven gay couples with kids on the street like (laughs) it's also one of those things that like perspective wise because like Barbara's actually a really lovely person from what we get to see from her. And she's way kinder yeah. than Val is. So it's almost like, what does she mm. see in him? We don't get any redeeming qualities of Val, which also. No, None. no, yeah. the chemistry was not there. Well, and yeah. we, like also, they, I've never never met someone who was a p- delightful human being at 20. We're all kind of deplorable at 20. So, oh, like, garbage people? Yes. Garbage yes. People. I was definitely a garbage person. Checks out. Wait, yep. let me check my memory banks. Yep. Checks yep. out. Yep. 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 I'm old uh, enough to have my own ideas, but not old enough to know that most of them are wrong. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, yeah the chemistry, because they don't. I'm they, like, sorry, don't ever interact that are with each other. Maybe maybe 20 or nah, whatever. You. But no, you'll, you know, if you're you'll 20, understand look, eventually. Look, you could be 20 and your heart can be in the right place. Um, if you're 20 and you're listening to this, you're probably 
wrong about a lot of things. You're probably insufferable. <laughs> just like, just like. Oh, we're just, losing so just many look listeners. at your life and just stop. Guys, just stop. Just, oh no! Take that. Just think about it. Just think about it. It's cool. It's cool. We'll keep going, you guys. It's okay. Just keep going. Just keep. Yeah. Honestly, I feel good. worse for you because it was already shitty for us, and it's going to be worse for you when you're our age. Because yeah. We yeah. can't afford you to buy a church. house. You probably you know. won't be able to buy a car by the time we're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the old folks podcast. Yep. Listen, if you are in that age grant, um, oh god, we gotta I'm move on. S- I'm sorry. We tried us one else. We tried so hard. We sent our most vicious we got so memes far. But at in the, the boomers, end, it and didn't surprisingly, even didn't do enough. Uh, <laughs> I hate you all so much. <laughs> Don't lump me into this. I do not approve. <laughs> Listen. As an I elder know. millennial, oh, I'm no, I know Grandpa so many. Pat, stop, Grandpa Pat. Oh my God, that's Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like someone was about to say something really good, and then I cut them off. That's this show. That's the whole <laughs> okay. <show. laughs> oh my God. Uh, so yeah, Val is a shit bag. We really don't like. Like it's not even just. The fact that he wants to shake the foundation of his very, like, family. But also, like, he doesn't talk respectfully to any of the other drag queens mm-hmm. or uh-uh. Agador or, you know, like, he they're, they're doing, like, the other drag queens don't have to be redoing the apartment. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to help. But he's just bitchy with them, like, every turn. And, like, yeah. he gave them no notice. And, like, yeah. just was constantly upset that their bending over backwards wasn't good enough. Yeah, like, like that one time. went to the thrift store to buy a moose head. Yeah. And he's like, ugh. Like, it's they're like, trying. They're all trying. Yeah, really they're trying. And here, I want to jump on it real quick because I do feel like Hank Azaria's accent was not the greatest from, like, mm-hmm. a problematic standpoint. But... I like his character. I like that his character is very sweet and endearing. And it would be really, it would have, what, what I will say is it would have been really easy to do this crazy flamboyant stereotype and also be like kind of like a dick. You know yeah, what I mean? selfish I know, like, like, or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the accent was, mm, the but shoes I do like was how he's, hilarious. He was though. just so, oh, so sweet good. and Are eager to like help and be helpful to the family that like, yeah. And, and it was I- like, I didn't like anyone was mean to him because he was just trying to be nice the whole time. As yeah, as far as the whole like having the help be a minority thing, I didn't get too bad of a sense from that. I kind of mm-hmm. got the sense that like he was an underling and he they were kind of prepping him for the stage and like they needed to give him a job and that was like the job he was mm-hmm. suited for as he kind of worked his way up the ranks. So that part didn't bother me so much. But could they have cast an actual Latinx person? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well yeah. I did a little bit of research on that because I was like, is he really white? And I guess he does have Greek. Listen. He's, he's Greek. <laughs> no. I'm not done. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh <laughs> He's part Jewish 
and also part Greek, but from ancestors that came from Spain that went to Greek. So, like, they're not heritage Greek. They're heritage Spanish. I don't know. I don't know if that really helps. It does. No, no. <laughs> no. Especially because like, they're really doing. I'm just saying of the he's not. Fan club. I no no no. I was just like, <laughs> it was interesting because I was like, is he like a hundred percent white, or he, does he have? It's unlike most races. <laughs> white isn't really like a race. Like if you feel white, yeah, you, you are white. <laughs> and so I don't think Hank Azaria would be like, I'm not white, guys. Like, I just, I don't, right. I just, I don't feel like that's a thing he would say. What's funny is I pulled while we were watching this, I pulled my Facebook and was like, is uh, literally, come on, everybody, help me. Is there a character Hank Azaria has played in a film or television that is not a really poorly timed racist stereotype? And a lot of people are like, you know. <laughs> I can't think of one. Thank you. For I tell you, run, fat boy, run. It's the well, only one I can think he's of. Got I can a he... show. I think Broadmire is a show that he's on that's been in three seasons. He was on the show that we all hate, Friends. He was Phoebe's scientist boyfriend. No, we don't all hate. He was I'm in the masterpiece, the 1998 Godzilla, the pure masterpiece that that is. Mm-hmm. He um, was in that? Really? Who was he? Yeah, he's a scientist. He's something. He's something in it. But someone yeah. Was he eaten? Yeah. Did he get Godzilla? Uh, I believe he does get to eat hen. He, I, I, he I was in a season of Ray Donovan as an FBI agent. What's that? Are you serious? <laughs> I've never watched that ever. So, you never watched Ray Donovan? Nope, no, 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 no dialects, none, no, 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 no. I wasn't trying to defend, like, the, I guess the I only reason why I brought up his heritage is because he said he based it off his grandmother. So, it is possible that his grandmother was Spanish, is what I was trying to get to. Oh, you're saying, like, just there, to is, defend myself, there is a I'm, thread you can follow where his grandmother could theoretically have an accent yes, similar to the one he did exactly, in this movie. Exactly, okay. yes. Well, now we need video of his grandma to confirm. Yeah. We do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, man. You no, missed so much, Sam. I did Internet love that someone was like, does Bartok count from Anastasia? Because apparently he's Bartok in Anastasia, and what? I had no idea. Yeah, the so that's like, thing? yeah, he's the white bat, apparently. Uh, oh, a white character from white bat. Maddie, are you sure? I'm not sure. Someone on my Facebook who is very well informed. You're supposed to say it. I'm positive, and I say only fools are positive or something. Shit, I fucked it up. Oh, There's a line yeah, from yeah. that movie Bartok. It's like, sure, I'm positive. Only fools are on positive. brand. Sure, I'm positive. Okay, I've only seen that movie once, so Pat, keeping the brand strong. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, it's not my fault. I set up these amazing bits, and you guys can't keep up. Okay. I mean, you, well, I guess you did set it up, didn't you? You're right. He did set it up. He did set it up. Yeah. It was, it was my fault. But I'm actually, I'm kind of like you were like, I think for me, Val is so shitty and homophobic, like internally homophobic in so many ways that like the kind of microaggression, macroaggression mm-hmm. that is Agador because he's lovable and he's darling. Oh my God, the I do not wear shoes because they make me fall yes. down is so funny. Like, <laughs> yes. it's just those moments where, and I tried to watch it with a lens of, oh, this is shitty. And like, it is shitty. But for it's one of those moments that maybe it's because this is movie has been in my lexicon for so long that I go, 
if we redid this movie, I'd want us to do better, but I, it, it, he's so lovable and so delightful and so sweet. And they really abused the shit out of him in this movie. Yeah. Well, oh and I God. think yeah. the thing, the reason why it plays so well is because they didn't, like, the voice wasn't the joke. Right. Right. He, he had yeah. so many other, like, character moments, like the shoes and e- everything he did was mm-hmm. a character well, moment and it wasn't Gloria. the voice. <laughs> Come on, Gloria. <laughs> If That's the joke favorite. if the joke was the voice, then it would have been problematic. But like it was that was the choice he made, but everything else was character and it was great. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think the problem isn't like you said, the problem isn't the voice. The problem is just that he's a white guy playing a character. But if you had cast, you know, someone who was supposed to be from that area. 1996, John yeah. Leguizamo. Yeah. Well. Oh. Well, Wait, isn't he all not- right? No, that's no. You're totally right, Pat. There Wasn't you go. he busy I mean- doing Spawn at this point? I I don't know when that movie uh, was. Well, he but- did Tu Wong Fu, right? He did do Tu Wong. So yeah. they probably didn't want him. You know, Spawn was ninety seven, he- so he might have been filming it. Well, or, well, yeah. and when was Mario Brothers? That was earlier. Uh, than that this, was right? like early. The- we don't. We've done it. On it was the like ninety. Yeah, yeah, ninety three. So you do bring up something interesting that like between Tu Wong Fu and this and even like Priscilla, the people that did this movie, like Gene Hackman agreeing to be in full drag is yeah. stunning. So or like great. or it's even still that idea of Tu Wong Fu that like Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes, like it's this thing that even today there are actors who do not want to play gay because they're worried it's going to ruin so much of their career or like their fan base because they know they have a conservative fan base or mostly like white male fan base or or uh not white male fan base because that homophobia is still a huge issue throughout my the idea of men and machismo and all this thing but so it's it's uh kind of like i think ash you brought up before that like we're in 1996 so like this show this movie's in pre-pro in like 94 and 95 and like the fact that they're willing as straight presenting actors to do this kind of thing is in itself a political statement on its own not, at that point in time. Yeah. yeah. And not to undo the positivity of that kind of thought, but right. does it I just, the conversation <laughs> topics for God. Uh, what is it? Does it say anything? But keeping that, his brand strong. Does it say anything that these movies th- are all comedies? I think it, the, it, I think no, it, I mean, are you bringing that up as a negative? Because actually, comedy, not just in movie form, but also in stand-up form, usually is on the cutting edge of making a political statement. I meant, I meant yeah. liter- the literal text and not the subtext is, was it cool to be gay because it was funny? Oh. Well, it so- kind of goes to what Brett has said in the past, which is like, comedy kind of acts as a bridge between... Um, making or acts as a bridge between what makes people uncomfortable and then things becoming acceptable because one of the first stages in starting to accept something that makes people uncomfortable is to kind of laugh about it and make more light of it so i think in terms of like the climate at the time of 1999 or 1996 is not um that hard to make the the conclusion that a lot of people are very uncomfortable with 
gay people and the gay lifestyle and the way to kind of help those people along and help them accept gay people was to make them laugh about it. Mm -hmm. So they kind of learn to accept new people when it's in a comfortable uh, format, something that they can chuckle at. And then this is the dog trainer in me, but I wouldn't be surprised if it helps kind of build this kind of a positive association with gay people. Like I laughed. That was a happy feeling. There's gay people that used to make me angry and scared before, but I was laughing. So like I, I yeah. like and, in and a then, weird roundabout way. The weird second layer of like uh yeah, and I'm comfortable with this because both Robin Williams and Nathan Lane are straight. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe. Right. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, there's also the third layer, Brett, that all gay movies, typically, even when they're funny, they're dealing with some sort of, well, most gay-made movies are either really terrible comedies or really devastatingly sad tragedies where mm. everyone dies or gets the shit beaten out of them. So right. when we have straight people making or a queer-adjacent people making films with gay characters, I agree with you because there's this great John Waters quote of even racists enjoy hairspray. So there's this moment <laughs> of, um, and this is why, like, you'll see schools doing hairspray as, like, a diversity quota thing, where they're like, oh, look at us, we're so good. And it was like, you got three Black people, and you only have three Black people in your play, and you've got white people playing Black people. Uh-huh. It's whatever. I'm looking at you, University of Florida. I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's this idea that, like, if, you're you're very right where it's one of those things. They understand about half the people that are probably going to see this movie because of Gene Hackman, Diane Weist, and Robin Williams are people who tangentially probably don't know any gay people. They have preconceived this kind of, uh, I was going to say consumption, uh, <laughs> assumptions <laughs> about, um, about queer people and like who they were in this idea of like what drag is and all these things. And so it was that thing that got people in there like, oh, it's funny because also there are two tropes of gay people. It's the like tragic, sick gay person and then the sassy like housekeeper, like I rep- the the first episode of Golden Girls. There's a character called Coco, and he's the gay housekeeper. And Sophia literally just uses like Mr. Twinkle Toes, Mr. Light and the Loafers, the whole episode, and they wrote him out to put Sophia in, just because it was a thing that worked better. Um, but it's one of those things of you still got two gay archetypes, and so this is trying to flip all of those while still making a picture that was going to sell well and appeal to mm-hmm. people. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. my two cents. it's interesting though because like this film because i love this movie but and like i do love the reversal of like gene hackman's character having to dress in drag and like literally walk in their shoes yeah (laughs) but we don't really like it just seems like oh this is just you know if you were a racist you could just be like or or uh, anti-gay you just be like well he just had to do that for that and the film doesn't really like tell you what the next steps are like mm-hmm. they do get married mm-hmm. but is he still the leader of the moral coalition like did he mm-hmm. actually change as a character yeah. or was yeah. this just an inconvenience that, that he had to do literally same thought it has oh, i was almost like kind of because i enjoyed the movie overall and there were a lot of fun and yeah and, and nathan lane and robin williams are treats mm-hmm. um but at the end, I was like, oh, but they kind of, like, stop short. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they're yeah. at the wedding, and it's like they're enjoying the wedding. But 
man, you could have easily done like over the credits, like a press conference thing. Yeah. But there's something to be said about the, um, I, I can't think of another, uh, parallel for it other than like children's fairy tales, but like where the, the moral of the story isn't telling children what the thing is that they should do. And mm-hmm. at the time when this came out, when it was, you know, being gay was still like stigmatized by most of everyone in America. Like the, the fact that they went from like, oh, haha, the, the, the fucking shitbag senator is, has to do drag. Uh, if it would have ended there, then it's just like, oh no, they didn't get married, blah, blah, blah. But they said, no, actually also there's a way forward. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't come out like, would you, if they had that scene in there where it was just like, I'm reformed now. I see that the gays are human. Like, that would have felt pandering, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. you have to look at it as like, what is the movie about? Is the movie about the senator learning to change? Or is it about the gay couple learning to kind of accept themselves and not make exceptions for people that are uncomfortable with who they are. And I feel like they were trying to keep within that theme and that really is how they chose to end it because they're at the wedding as themselves. You know, they're not Mm -hmm. hiding themselves for the sake of all these other people that are uncomfortable. Y'all don't have to explain it to me. I'm just saying if I was anti-gay, I could walk away from the movie thinking that. Oh, we're not 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 arguing with you. We're just jumping. It's all about planting the seed. The the climax, though, too, it's it's easy to kind of get swept up in the enjoyment of it. And it's beautiful visually. They're singing this fun song and all of that. But if you really wanna, like that. break it down, the climax of this movie is our quote unquote heroes help the shitty person get away with being like avoid press who by the mm-hmm. way the and the whole point should be who cares if he is mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. you know like I actually if, think- you know what you know would have been do you know what would have been an awesome I think would have been a perfect ending of this movie? They do the whole drag thing, but at some point he he like change he changes his mind, whips his wig up, walks right out to the press, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm this guy. I'm here. You know what? I've got some things to say. I've had you know like my daughter's marrying this lovely, this delightful young man. These are his parents right here, and I don't have a problem with it, and neither should you." So slight twist on that. I think that would be a perfect ending, but at the end of the wedding. So they get married and then they walk out and he does a photo op with the whole family. Mm-hmm. That, See, I feel thing. like I feel that like that's sounds the- more pandering than the other ending that Brett mentioned, in my opinion. Let's flip this because I'm going to give you the same scenario, slightly different flavor to it. Um, let's say there's two young people that want to get married and one of the person's parents is... Uh, like a race part of a racist group pick your you know pick your poison pick, literally pick your racist um, <laughs> and they are at a cl- a place that is owned and operated by the people that that senator is racist against okay uh-huh what they essentially did was help him sneak away from press so it's like oh wow you say you don't like these people but you're at a thing by these people it's like it's not a thing you should have been, I don't know. It's like you're helping a shitty person continuing to be shitty. 
enabling the hate. Yeah. Right. Like, because the worst thing that the the MacGuffin or the hurdle that they had to get over in the climax is don't get caught by the press. I well, I, I think I have so many complex thoughts about about that uh, that I don't think we have time for. Uh, I but think I, the real shitty person though is Val, and Val is the one that changes. Val right? changes, like, okay, and they don't. I, I don't have, think the stories oh, about. I don't think the stories about uh, Gene Hackman's character changing, and I don't think the stories about. Robin Williams or Nathan Lane being comfortable with who they are. Cause I think they're already comfortable with who they are. Mm-hmm. He even says it yeah. took me 20 years to get here. Yeah. I think it's oh, really about so good. yeah the son finally being not like closetedly, uh, you know, uh, embarrassed by his family and who they are. Totally. And if I, I agree, but I think they did a terrible job showing that character change. It's yeah, because like, it happened in like minimal the space of 10 to seconds. Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's why I also don't think it would work for the senator to like come out in drag and like embrace because that would yeah. also be him like flipping on a dime, which would be really yeah. hard, I think, to buy. And I guess the summary of the the rant I was almost about to do was is that the the real the way that the movie ended painted uh uh everyone but the senator in a a good light like it wasn't about his thing like the i feel like if it came out today it would have been yeah we'll throw the senator under the bus and like you know we're gay and that's the senator like there he is or or like or or they would (laughs) have given or they would have given you the the other side of that where it was just like yeah i'm like okay with the gays now but uh what we really got was just kindness from the protagonists of the film mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like them recognizing that even though this situation was complete bullshit, that they were like not trying to fuck this guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, they were and, better people than he is. Like they, they rised mm-hmm. above. Than he ever will be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's, I don't know. It worked for me. Well, I also think timeline-wise, we're in a point where tolerance was the discussion. The the key yeah. phrasing being used was tolerance. And mm-hmm. so this is an example of tolerance because it's also one of those things where it's like, oh, you can see them as people, but if you don't have to interact them interact with them on their level, then you can see them as people. But yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, we support the gays, but we're quiet about it. It's like Val yeah. probably told none of his, because you know Val's in a frat. You know yeah. he's in a oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that none of them know his dad is, his dads are gay. Like, it's just a thing there. It's just a, a thing where... Yeah, I, th- I think this is oddly Val's story. I agree with everyone that it's like Val's story, but it's also a product of the work we were still trying to do in 1996 versus the work that we've seen done and we're still trying to do now in 2020. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. think looking through it from the 2020 lens is really hard because even some of the like dialogue they were using to talk about the sex worker that that um, that the the oh one guy God. was caught with and mm-hmm. all the political things that made me go. <gasps> Those are those but moments they're that supposed go, to be mm, horrible people. You yeah, know what I mean? Like they're supposed to be the Republican yeah. perspective. Yeah. So like I get that. Yeah, and then like the one Jewish joke. Oh yeah. The one Jewish joke? Well, like the really bad one came from the Jewish character who was just trying to pander to the Republican, you know. I felt like those were more like character based 
things and not necessarily like the filmmaker or screenwriter being shitty. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's that whole point of their, this was back when we were trying to say, look, we're just like you. And that's the whole point. And so there is actually this huge movement of like making them seem heteronormative. They fit within heterosexual concepts of family and tier. Yeah. Nathan Lane says, I meant every word I said about. Yes, they are conservative gay men, which is really interesting to think about that they are business owners. They are a queer nightlife thing, but they are from what we can tell about them, they are conservative. They're as liberal as they need to be to be queer. But like, this is a thing that's actually exists within a lot of gay people are on the more conservative mm-hmm. side because they think liberal being, being gay makes them somehow liberal, but like, it doesn't make you any shit less racist. It doesn't make you understand what it's like to not be white and not be privileged. And so it's, it's another one of those moments of, Ooh, they're really great people on the surface that we need them to be for this. But then I go, oh, who would these two men be now? Because, like, I know if we remade this movie now, Gene Hackman's character would be Mike Pence. Like, I feel like that is the, mm-hmm. that yeah. is that is what we would do. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things of, the more we talk about it, the more I go, oh, I start peeling these, like, onion yeah. layers away. And I go, <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to think about this too much. But also, I, I thought Kate, like, her mother, or Catherine, she's an awful person as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's so She's awful. just, and I will, I stay in Christine Baranski till the end of time. She's the only reason why I watched Mamma Mia, and then I stayed for Meryl Streep. But, um, <laughs> and then Cher in the second one. But it's that idea of, like, I was then, like, oh, she's still trying to get her man back. Okay, this is, okay, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's one of those things where we keep picking little things away and I go, oh, I'm getting uncomfortable because I still love this movie. But it's interesting of this idea of when I see young queer people coming out now and they're like, what cinema have I missed? What are must-see movies? And a lot of, like, our generations of folks, like, list this. They list other things that are very, like, heteronormatively centric and they leave off things like Tangerine and Moonlight and, and you know, um, uh, what is it? The White Frog, which is a B.D. Wong made film that's amazing. Um, and so oh. it's one of those things that's, oh, it's so good. Um, and so it's one of those things I where I go- B.D. Wong. Oh, I do as well. Uh, so it's one of those <laughs> things of, is is this still something important for the canon that we need to be using to educate younger queer people? This mm. is a much broader topic than for less rewatch, I think. But yeah. it's this idea of, as we pull it away, how useful now is this movie still? But yeah. I think it's still super rewatchable. I think it's still super fun. And I think it, again, it's a movie that I would feel comfortable watching with my parents who are loving, wonderful people, but they are conservative. Um, but it's this movie I would feel comfortable watching with them that do deal with queer subjects mm-hmm. versus, yeah. you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put in Love, Simon, or Moonlight with them, like, or coming by oh. It's just not, I love Love, Simon, yeah. and Moonlight. I <laughs> need you. It's really cute. <laughs> but that's just my two cents. Well, that's a great me. start <laughs> to the, uh, uh, the recaps. Uh, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Brett. Why don't you go? Yeah. Man. I really like this movie. No, this was a dope movie. Uh, Here's the thing is if you make a movie about something that's problematic, it's going to be problematic. Like, don't worry about it. (laughs) The, the, the comedy was great in this. Uh, I did not the, so we got to the scene that I remember being the, the boneless Naruto run and it was not that. Uh, it just that dinner scene was so tense. It had the vibe of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's how I remember it. 
as kid Brett watching this was like, this is ridiculous. This is insane. And it was like, really nothing's mm-hmm. happening. It was all just like in the silence and the tension of the, of the awkwardness of that dinner. Uh, and that, and like the kitchen scene where they're both like fucking slamming drinks in the kitchen. Uh, and- <laughs> in that scene, Robin Williams actually falls. Like when he falls, like that wasn't scripted. He just oh actually God. fell and they just That's like all improved it. And Saint Hank Azaria had shrimp in his hand for, yeah, for 10 forever. minutes and just <laughs> threw it into the pot at the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that he's like crying too. <laughs> he's just. Why didn't they just do a doubt fire and get takeout and make it look like. Oh, it seems like- that would have been smart. It's true, but there's only one way in and out of that apartment. So once they figured out it wasn't going to work, they couldn't get food in unless they came up a fire escape. Yeah, just, good point. Just thing. Just thing. Lawyered. But. But yeah, so that's that's my review. This movie was great. Um, it was problematic, but it was supposed to be. And the the I didn't take away from it that we were supposed to think of anyone like in a stereotypical kind of way. Like even even Hank Azaria's like weird accent wasn't like we said. It it's not the accent wasn't the character. The character had his own moments, and mm-hmm. uh. Yeah, no, I'd watch that again for sure. That was great. And fucking, I miss Robin Williams. I know. <laughs> I know he has the one line where he's like, if you don't stop making up, I'm going to kill myself. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He made two I'm going to kill myself jokes in the movie. Oh. So sad. Oh, All right, Sam, on that positive note. Why? What did you think? Why do you make me go after that? Do you want Pat to go next then? He's no. stroking his beard. I'm I'm happy to go next. It's fine. Um yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I in the beginning when they kind of set up the whole scenario, um, I caught myself thinking, like, wow, that sun's really problematic. That doesn't hold up well. Like, I'd love to see this movie remade today in a better context. And then having finished the movie. And having our conversation, um, I actually think it's, like, beautifully perfect as is because it is, like, a little time capsule of all of the struggles of being gay in the United States at that time and the sort of ridiculous asks that people would make uh, unfairly and unjustly and the sort of hoops that you had to jump through just to make everyone around you comfortable. and. I thought it was beautiful. I really loved it. Um, the comedy was amazing. The set design was amazing. Um, you will chuckle at this. I thought The Birdcage was a movie about, kind of like Xanadu, about them opening up the birdcage, like creating oh, the nightclub. Yeah. And so I was totally like <laughs> blindsided by the whole concept of the film. I was like, oh, this is what it's about. <laughs> So it's like weird. Like the birdcage is in like the first scene. It must be like, you know, it must be like mm-hmm. fast forwarding to the future. And then we see about how they got here. Like all the struggles Aww. of opening up a drag bar in the United States. Yeah, so, the struggles of opening a drag bar in Miami. It's so yeah, tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and like, it's weird that we can have such like, deep conversation about what is supposed to be just a comedy and i think that Mm -hmm. really speaks to the importance and the value of the story that they told and how it still has relevancy 25 years later just a comedy 
breaks my heart, though. Comedies are so much more. I know they are. <laughs> Sorry, I do not. Want, I don't want that statement to seem dismissive, but it's, okay, <laughs> it's like what we had talked about before. How the only way to kind of portray gay family was through a comedy right. to make people comfortable, and they use that platform and that medium to say something so important. Yeah, totally. A lot of fun. Uh, Brett talked about, yeah, obviously not perfect. And done. Um, no, <laughs> a lot of fun. Nathan Lane, Nathan Lane's shopping trip sequence, so fun. and then at the restaurant with the two of them. Oh my god! The John yes. Wayne impressions. Oh, so like, yes. get another piece of toast. Not a big deal. Like that whole thing. <laughs> so good. Such a treat. Um, I so, love yeah. when he's like, he's like, you know. How do how the dolphins la- last night? And he's like, I don't oh. know. Betrayed. And he's like, is that the wrong answer? And Ron, Ron Williams is like, I don't know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so good. Just uh, the acting of Nathan Lane too. He's in the suit and he's walking mm-hmm. in the bedroom, mm-hmm. and they're just staring at him without so reacting. And he's like, it's worse, isn't it? Like, it's like, it's like more obvious. <laughs> the pink socks, so good. But what's funny is now that's like a thing, yeah. like. Mm-hmm. I have lots of like suit wearing people I know. Like that's like, yeah. I wanted to mention it was just like colorful was, socks with suits is super yeah. in for dudes now, right? Like, yeah, that was supposed to be a joke or something, but like I was like, there's nothing wrong with this. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, I thought it good. was pink specifically. I, well, I also think it has to do with the idea of respectability and respectability culture. And so, like, this is a point where, like, the Ralph Lauren suit off the rack was becoming super popular and not getting things tailored. And it's just that idea of, like, queer people always still feeling like we have to present a specific way in order to be seen as respectable. Mm -hmm. And that's not so much the case. And now it's the question people are having with, like, non-binary and how do we present gender and gender fluidity and and those things. And so I think it's, it's, it's that moment that I think any person or it's even like anybody that's like plus size who's ever had to like go through something similar it's a situation we all understand that moment where it's like this is the moment i should feel comfortable and wonderful and i feel so alien and i feel like i am standing out even though i'm supposed to be blending in mm-hmm. yeah so what do you think maddie um yeah it's 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 a hard one for us to pick apart um i think it's actually a really nuanced and wonderful study of chemistry um Mm -hmm. also because of like the idea of respectability and being queer in film this is a rated r movie which i feel like now this would be like a pg pg 13 movie oh my god um okay so it was rated r so i feel like a lot of that also had to like that was back when like it's still illegal to be gay in many states and so like presenting but if you notice like um, the, uh, Rob Williams is and, and Nathan Lane's characters n- almost never touch. Almost, they almost mm. never physically interact. Mm. And so, again, that's just the idea of respectability. And so, it's one of those things that I think the two of them—it's such a nuanced uh, performance study in chemistry. It's so lovely. It's so funny um, that th- we live in some moments uh, a little too long for any other movie, but in this, it's just right, and it's just. It's just wonderful. Um, also, I love the use of three Stephen Sondheim songs, uh, two of which were written for this movie. Uh, yeah. And so that's a, that's a really nice comedy thing or just musical theater thing. So that, one, that was really nice. <laughs> it's a good movie. Watch it. It should stay in the canon forever. I love it. Go yeah. watch it. I still enjoyed it uh, and really loved it. It kind of broke my heart to like see it through the lens of like 
suddenly realizing Val's a garbage human being. However, not to defend him, but I do remember being 20 mm-hmm. and being an asshole to my parents. So, you know, I, I can kind of oh, yeah. relate mm-hmm. to that as a child, especially being an only child, being rather like self-absorbed and like, but why can't you do this for me? You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm defending his horribleness. I'm just understanding where it's mm-hmm. coming from. Yes. Um, but I, yeah, I still loved it. It's still a great movie. I was still dancing at the end. Definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, that was Birdcage. Guys, go watch it. Uh, Maddie, thanks for coming on. Thanks yeah. for having me. Um, would you like to tell the listeners where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just like Let's Rewatch, I am on the Certain POV Media Network. Um, thanks Yay. to Case and everybody for letting me put up with my bullshit every every two weeks. Um, so you can find <laughs> us on CertainPOV.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Dole Whip and Dreams Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Dole Whip and Dreams. On Twitter at Dole Whip Podcast. I'm even on TikTok at Maddie Lime. Um, and we've got some big things coming from Dole Whip and Dreams as like a producing entity over there next year so i've got a musical movie podcast coming out a true crime podcast as well as a limited series uh about the wives of henry the eighth from their perspective not using henry as a basis um uh, inspired by the musical Mm. six yeah so we've got some really fun things coming and then dole up and dreams is a deep dive disney movie podcast where every week we break down a disney movie and we talk about it dramaturgically so sociopolitically historically and i often uh have labeled jeffrey katzenberg as a deep enemy of the pod so sam you and i need to pick this up it's so hard for me to not get into this now you're i'm let's make it a day we will have to make it a day so those are those are our things uh find us interact with us um and yeah uh check out our store as well uh not for me to make money but i'm always using our proceeds to go towards a charity so check out what our charity is for the month of this uh podcast is out yeah right on can can the three of us, can Ash, Brett, and me come on that to not engage actively in in the debate, but be like a, just a just color color watch. commentary and a judges yeah. panel? Yeah, I'll just sure. the side of I'm totally, I'm yeah. totally done with that. <gasps> no, he didn't. Oh. <laughs> I'm totally down for that. So that's great. But thank you all for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Ash, engage the audience. And uh, if you also want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Let's Rewatch, where we do fun things like movie polls. You guys got to pick this movie this time out of the options that Maddie gave us. And then we also do fun things like I will tweet a still from the movie and you guys get to guess which movie it is if we didn't do a movie poll. Um, Sorry, guys, we did the movie poll. So sorry, Mitch, I wasn't going to tweet a photo so that you could tell us which movie it was that's right mitch i'm coming at you hey he wanted this movie so you're good <laughs> no i know but last time i did a movie poll he was like oh i'm gonna guess it this time and i'm like uh-uh <laughs> no Aww. that's not how this works love you but no cheating that's cheating <laughs> yeah um if you liked our podcast uh please give us a five-star review on google podcasts apple podcasts and spotify and tell your friends. We need more. Pat, do you have any anything hey. to say? I don't have anything to say. 
what sign up your... f- sign up for Pat's mailing list for the Red Opera, <laughs> the D and D thing he's writing. <laughs> yeah, I have so many things. I just didn't want to be in. That's the go one to theredopera.com. Sign up to follow the project. You'll get an email at lives. Watch me and Brett play D and D Tuesdays two p.m. East on the Geekly Inc. Twitch channel. Yep, Brett just died, so you gotta yeah, you gotta yeah. jump on. Oh, I saw R.I.P. Beef Johnson. The day, the same day, Justin. Barcelo yeah. Osterling, former ex- exceptional comic book artist and former guest on the show, finished uh, official character art of Brett's character. It was very <gasps> sad. Our group, like an oh, hour no. before he went live, that oh. same session. Dead. So it wasn't died. planned Dead. that you were going to die? Oh, no. 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 I got, I got <laughs> completely fucking destroyed. It was, Yo, it was embarrassing. It was sad. But yeah. Anyway, it's kind of my fault. I kind of fucked up in bat combat, like kind of sent them. I'm supposed to take the damage and I kind of did a thing sure. that forced the monster to move away from me to him. It's but fine. you weren't the level seven character with only 30 life. So. Beef was never meant to live. No. But anyway, uh, thank you, listener, for joining us again. And uh, listen in next time when we watch Ninja Terminator. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.